0: Hello and welcome back to the Polaris Travel Health Podcast. Thanks for tuning in with us this week. Um, this week, Jade and I will be discussing marine hazards and things to keep in mind when visiting the ocean.
1: Yeah, beach vacation is usually kind of more of a relaxing and laid back one, but I think there's some things that you wanna keep in mind regarding the ocean. So first off, I wanted to ask you kind of more generally about the types of activities that might put you in harm's way in the ocean.
0: Okay. Well, I think the first thing that I want to mention here is scuba diving is there is a whole bunch of different things associated with scuba diving and that we're really not going to focus on that stuff today. That actually might be an idea for another episode at some point, but I think we're going to stick mostly with sort of more traditional standard things that don't require special training, things like, you know, snorkeling and, and just, you know, playing around on, on the beach and everything like that. And typical water activities that you could see people doing on a resort or even doing if they say we're doing a trip to, to Thailand or something like that. Uh, and then we'll we'll kind of focus there. And, you know, the most common things we'd be talking about would be things like, you know, stepping on some sharp coral or being stung by a jellyfish or sea urchins or currents, that sort of thing, I think will be what we'll uh, we'll talk about. Definitely, definitely.
1: Okay. Well, speaking of jellyfish, uh, what types of jellyfish sh- should people be most concerned about, and what should you do if you suspect that you've been stung by one?
0: Thing about jellyfish, I, you know, as far as seeing which type to stay away from, my best advice is. All of them. Like, there's, <laughs> there's not a lot of reason to have to like hang around them in any way, shape or form. There are some that are obviously more dangerous than others. You know, box jellyfish are probably, you know, best known. Uh, I've seen actually uh, a whole pile of jellyfish when I was in Australia along the Queensland coast there on the north um, northeast part of Australia, like the area around Brisbane and the sort of the uh, beaches along there there were piles and piles of jellyfish that would be get washed up on shore. And even when they were on shore, we, we were advised, you know, don't go near them, like, you know, walk around them. So I know it was like, I should actually try and find some of those old pictures because they're fascinating. There would be hundreds and hundreds of them washed up on shore and uh, and yeah, they were a hazard even to walk on. And then they would get uh, the tide would bring them in or whatever, and then they would die and then they would get washed back out again to sea. And uh, yeah, so certainly that would be probably one of the main one. There's also, you know, some other, other types, you know, I think Portuguese man of war. And as far as, you know, I guess things to talk about when you watch out for is if you get stung by one of these jellyfish, whether it's, you know, in the ocean, which are where the tentacles are, or even if you step on one on the, on the shore uh, you can get, you know, pain, you know, respiratory distress you, know, you can feel really unwell. It is possible you could die from it. You know, I think that generally speaking, it, it, that would be not a common reaction, but definitely it's a thing. And it's really important to seek medical attention immediately. One thing as far as things that you can potentially do yourself uh, with a jellyfish is, you know, you can use um, uh, vinegar on the area and you can also scrape off the tentacles And uh, with uh, like a razor or something like that, you know, don't ever put like plain water, sunscreen or alcohol on it. Right, right.
1: Okay. What about something like stingrays?
0: So stingrays hang out more in tropical areas, but also in temperate areas. Uh, They have the barb on their tail that can puncture your skin. So that would be, you know, it would cause pain and and. You know ultimately the the sting can cause you know headache and fainting and and an increase in heart rate and paralysis even and death can result and there's risk of infection and inflammation so it's obviously a concern it's not something which certainly is a fortunately a very common thing but it can happen best thing to do if that happens would be remove any of the fragments of the spine uh, of the spine of the barb and then you know, apply pressure to the wound and clean it with soap and water. And, you know, you need to get some medical attention and and watch out for um, infection. So it's it's certainly something that, yeah, would would definitely require medical follow-up.
1: Definitely. Okay. Another thing that I think that we think about a lot is sharks, most likely because they get a lot of media attention, stuff like Shark Week on the Discovery Channel and such. But how high is your risk for actually being bitten or even just like interacting with a shark?
0: Well, Jaden, I think you already did some of your your, um, known research in advance here and see how you get (laughs) it up uh the the notes you had here about a hundred shark shark attacks uh every year on humans with about 15 deaths so yeah. in the grand scheme of things your risk is pretty darn low two-thirds of the attacks great whites tiger sharks bull sharks usually along the shoreline or in like a reef area thing about sharks is that they tend not to really want to eat humans that badly it probably is more of a they're already feeding or they're defending territory. You know, I would just, you know, keep your eye out and you just have to, you know, exit the water if you see one. I, of course, anything that goes without saying, but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, your chances of something happening are, are pretty minimal and yeah, that's, yeah, it's one of those things. It sounds scary, but I think, uh, your, your overall risk is, is pretty low. Right. Okay.
1: So back then to some kind of like less conscious, hazardous organisms that you actually are probably more likely to interact with. What about something like sea urchins, corals, or even just like sponges?
0: Yeah, well, I think even just talking about coral, stepping on coral is a thing. I know when I was in Hawaii, um, i really scraped up my uh my foot on on some coral in fact i think there's still some scars there so uh you know it can be painful and and uh you know can cause bleeding and i guess in theory something like that could even potentially get infected but uh and like i said that's sort of just regular coral uh there are other types of coral like um hydroids for example and they can look like weeds or ferns almost and um They can live in areas like the Mediterranean Sea. Um, They're they're concerning. Also, fire coral looks like nothing exciting, but it can actually, and it can be in shallow water, and it can actually really hurt a snorkeler or a swimmer. And there are venomous ones all over the place on tropical reefs. And then when you want to start thinking about sponges, well, sponges are... They basically have, they're they're fixed to the seabed, and they can have spikes on them, so they can definitely irritate the skin. Apparently, according to your research, Jane, I don't even know this, there are some fire sponges in Canada. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I
1: personally have never seen them, but according to this research, they can extend up, I believe, kind of more on the Atlantic side. But yeah, there's there's fire sponges and touch-me-nots, I guess they're called. I, it's a bit of an obvious, obvious name that they've
0: given them. Yeah, it's <laughs> a little on the nose, isn't it? It is. Anyway, yeah. sea urchins, it seems like the risk can be higher at night there. Most aren't venomous, but they can be, and they can definitely hurt, like, I think that more than anything else. And as far as advice, I think just if you do want to wear some kind of water shoes, that can always be useful. And be careful about putting your feet or hands into any kind of crevasses. And yeah, always, you know, watch out for, watch out for infection. If anything, uh, if there's, it seems like there's any risk. And then if you do get, uh, the skin is compromised and you'll seek medical attention for sure.
1: Right. Yeah. I can remember the first time that we'd gone to Hawaii, my cousin actually stepped on a sea urchin and I remember him showing me just basically like a hole in his foot and it looked pretty painful, yeah. even though it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a poisonous one. He wasn't, you know, didn't have any internal problems. It was more just external. But yeah, it looked, it looked pretty gross. So definitely oh, yeah. keep, keep your feet on the ground and don't like stomp around in the, in the sand.
0: All I was going to say is for some of these things like that, you know, you just got to keep your eye on it because there is always the chance of infection. Most of the time, you know, there can be some pains and maybe a little bit of inflammation, but it's the infection part that can crop up a couple of few days later, which is, you know, far more concerning, I think, lots of times. So definitely,
1: definitely. Okay. Another hazard that I can think of is just how powerful the ocean is. So what advice do you have for people about the hazard of drowning or about something like riptides?
0: I think probably the thing to think about mostly is, you know, be honest with yourself about your ability to swim and just be aware of the fact that the ocean is not quite the same as swimming in a pool or even in a lake here in in Canada. So I think that uh, you need to think about that. And as far as like things like rip currents or rip tides, you know, I think um, your research said about 100 deaths a year from from rip currents. And another thirty thousand people have to be rescued by lifeguards. That sounds yes. probably about right. And you know, I think another thing which I always like to remind people whenever they're going in the ocean is alcohol and the ocean is a really bad combination. Yeah. So always be be wary of that. Yeah. Those are things from you know I would always want to think about. We probably should also talk about you know what is a rip tide or rip current. So I think that just to sort of explain it, you know, it's they're usually around low spots on the ocean floor near the shore. And then it's all about sort of the surface, you know, how how the water flows away from the beach and it can create a current. And, you know, usually you can see some kind of, you know, foam going back out into the ocean. And I don't know, I don't think I'm doing the best explanation of this, but, you know, be wary of anything unusual and low spots. And if you realize that you're in one of these uh, rip currents, you know, Remaining calm. Try to not make things worse by getting into a panic, and and try to get out. Definitely get someone's attention so you can get some. Uh, uh, if there's someone on shore that can, that can uh, help you, um, definitely do that as well.
1: Yeah, it can be like when I was doing the research for this, it's kind of hard to tell visually the rip, like that the riptide is there if, unless you're actually standing on the beach or if you have kind of like a bird's eye view. It's difficult to tell when you're actually in the water until you're way far away from the beach all of a sudden. Right. Um, but yeah, basically what the, what the advice was was to just kind of like wave your arms around, but don't try and swim towards the shore cause you'll just tire yourself out basically.
0: Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, swimming more parallel to the shore is kind of the answer. Is that sort of what your understanding of it is?
1: Yeah. And that you can kind of, you can kind of get out of it, so to speak, if you if you swim kind of far enough parallel, or until someone, you know, some nice coast guard on the jet ski can can rescue you. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's it. I mean, I've been I found out about riptides again before the first time I ever saw the ocean, and when I got in the ocean, I was like hyper aware of the water. And then, but I've never actually seen one. Okay. So, yeah. But they can be worse, I think, after a storm when the seabed has kind of been messed up, I guess, so to speak. Gotcha. All right. Uh, any other hazards or types of funky little animals that you
0: want to touch on? There is one topic that I'm sort of fascinated by, and, and it's not something that can sting you per se. But um, there is something called ciguatera poisoning. So this is a really common illness that you can get not from touching a fish, but actually from eating fish. I think your research said about 50,000 cases annually. Yes. So did you ever hear about this before, Jane? Like, were you aware of what cigatera poisoning is?
1: No, I actually had never heard about that until you mentioned it to me. But it's uh, I guess it's pretty common, or more common than I would think.
0: Yeah, so... Uh, I, like I said, I've never really actually run into a situation where, uh, you know, I've had a patient that's had it or anything like that, but I, I find the concept of it just in general interesting. So, so really what it is, is that there is this toxin, it's a neurotoxin called a cigatoxin, I believe. Anyway, it's produced by CLJ and then the algae will multiply in a coral reef area. And then the toxin basically accumulates in the food chain. And then As a result, the bigger fish that are sort of higher up on the food chain, they'll accumulate this toxin in their system. And then if you catch those fish and you eat the fish, you will get sick. That that toxin will make you sick. And usually how you feel is uh, gastrointestinal intestinal symptoms are really bad. Like you, your guts just feel terrible apparently, and it can go to muscle joint pain and blurred vision. Um, and there can be some other neurological like shock confusion, but really it, it, it's, you do symptomatic treatment and, and you kind of go from there. And, here's the thing that to think about here is that no amount of cooking the fish makes a difference. You know, no cooking technique can get rid of it. So you can't just sit, you know, I think people's first impression is, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to make sure I don't eat any undercooked fish and I'll be okay, but it doesn't really matter. And the types of fish that are more likely you're going to run into are, things like barracuda, moray, grouper, red snapper, sea bass, large reef fish, essentially. What I would tell you about this, though, is that generally speaking, if you are eating at reputable seafood type places uh, on your trip, it shouldn't be a concern. But if you were to go out and catch fish and in, in, uh, in these areas yourself, or if you were maybe eating at some more questionable type location, potentially, that would be where the risk is. But I think most people get cigatera poisoning from actually catching their own fish.
1: Right, right. That's, yeah, I had never heard of that, but it doesn't, it's not something that you would die of,
0: right? No, I I, I think you can get pretty sick, but it, it's not something where, you know, I think even generally speaking, you probably are not even at a point where you would automatic, like automatically go seek medical attention. Like I think maybe if you're looking for a diagnosis because it feels like your, your guts are ripping themselves apart. Well, I guess, but if, if somehow you were, if, you know, there's no specific treatment and, and usually I I think, you know, things do resolve themselves over, over a period of, of time, although, and there's nothing that I'm aware of that you can take, you know, do besides symptomatic treatment. Right, right.
1: I think the the um, the article that I read about this mentioned that it's actually probably underdiagnosed.
0: Oh, that makes sense. It you know, it seems reasonable to think that not all of these cases would be reported. It's kind of like a, you know, almost like dengue fever, you know, which, you know, we know is a very common mosquito-carried illness, but I think we have no idea how common it actually is because a lot of the cases are are never never reported because people get better, right? You know, people get sick and 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 they're really sick for a week and then they get better and they don't have follow-up necessarily
1: right yeah or I, I think a lot of people would probably think they just have food poisoning
0: oh yeah and uh you know even if it lasts for a couple few days you know you would still be at the point where well you know I'm better now oh well yeah
1: all right All anything else you want to mention about the ocean and its hazards
0: I guess maybe I'll just mention one more quick thing and and it will end the on a kind of a gross note uh, <laughs> But there is something on like, don't just always think about the ocean. Also the beaches are a concern. Sand on the beach is not always completely safe. You know, I think as, as Canadians, we don't really associate a sandy beach as ever being a health risk, but, there are things in the sand you know there are sand flies that that can be a concern potentially and there's also this other lovely thing called cutaneous larva migrans which sometimes can be in beaches in some countries you know i I know that in belize there always seems to be a problem with it but in other countries as well and what cutaneous larva migrans is basically it's dogs and cats using the beach as their own litter box and (laughs) Anyway, what ends up happening is um, their their um, their poop basically will contain this, and then if you are walking around barefoot and you know not even necessarily stepping in something that is obviously like a dog poop, but just in general, you can you can pick something like this up. So that's why walking around on a beach generally speaking you should be wearing some kind of sandals or some kind of water shoes in most places and also you know not laying around and rolling around in the in the sand too much you know if you go to a lot of other countries you know when people do go to the beach they usually are, are on some kind of chair or something like that you know i think the idea of sort of laying in the dirt and sand <laughs> is kind of a gross concept in most other places in the world but meanwhile you know you go to a lake here in alberta and, Hey, you see that all the time. Oh yeah, totally, totally.
1: Okay. Well the the cutaneous larva migrants, they they like get in your in your feet and then they lay eggs,
0: right? Yes, yes. Uh yeah. Don't uh don't Don't, Google, to- it. don't, don't Google it. Don't YouTube it. It's gross. very I'm awful.
1: Very very worn, like I'm warning you. Um <laughs> but <laughs> it's 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 nasty
0: we, we've um, already talked about this offline in the past and, and it's sort of a running joke between us a little bit i think because we're you know we cutaneal over migrants is like yeah one of those things we we've, we've often talked about and uh, i don't think we've referenced it on a podcast yet
1: i i can't say we have or not but yeah do you do you have to go to a doctor to have them removed or is it
0: kind of just like you have to wait it out until they're done doing their bug stuff I think go to a doctor. I, I have, I can only think of one situation where I knew of a patient that got them and they had, they went to a doctor and had them removed. Oh, okay. Well, little, that's awful. good then. <laughs> it just sounds painful
1: because I think a lot of people don't, um, well, I mean, you, well, you perhaps wouldn't even notice. And then you, you often don't spend a lot of time looking at the bottoms of your own feet. Yeah. So. That's that's kind of problematic, especially if you're somebody who has, like, um, what is that called? Where you get, um, like, nerve damage in your feet from having diabetes. Neuropathy from yeah.
0: diabetes and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah,
1: that could yeah. be potentially quite problematic.
0: Yeah, actually, the one thing about that is I almost tend to think that people that are diabetic, typically speaking, are probably better about not walking around on the beach, like, barefoot then you know because usually barefoot is is usually it's been sort of emphasized and educated that's probably not something you should do most of the time so so that's probably they probably as a group as a generality they probably have a a lower chance of walking around barefoot just because that's something they typically don't do generally i i I think but you know i think people that are so used to walking around barefoot you know especially on beaches here in canada uh, they're probably more at risk just because they don't think about it as much.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: I think that would be true.
1: Yeah. Lots of, lots of granola people that don't, don't wear shoes.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: That's true. All right then. Anything else?
0: No, I think that's it. That's kind of a fun topic. Uh, It's not something that we have a lot of specific, you know, we'll prescribe you a vaccine or a medicine for some of these things, but it is definitely part of sort of the educational component that we always want to address when people are going away on the trip because you know some of these things are you know more serious than others but even if it's just a matter of stepping on a sea urchin uh, it's not going to probably destroy your trip or anything but it, it can mess it up a bit for sure and it could be a problem and, and and if anything we can do to help stop that or prevent that i think it's useful
1: definitely definitely i would agree Okay, well, thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Polaris Travel Health podcast. A reminder that the information and advice provided in this podcast are not a substitute for live medical advice tailored to your itinerary and your medical history. If you have questions or you want to book an appointment, please head over to our website, www.polaristravelclinic.ca. Check us out on Twitter at Polaris Travel Rx and our Facebook page as well. We hope you'll tune in again with us next week. Thanks, Jaden. Thank you.